Yo, it's your girl Anaya here. We are back at it again with another episode of the Wrong Sir podcast. I, um, man, I'm alone. I'm alone today. So let me start off by saying that I know you guys are used to me introing like, yo, I have this exciting guest coming in or I have this coach or whatever. But today I am alone and I just wanted to do this podcast by myself. Um, it's something that I've honestly been feeling the topic that I'm going to talk about. I've been feeling so passionately about the entire summer because I've just seen it progress throughout the bubble um what's happening within the nba right now but we'll get further into into that uh, without further ado though i gotta shout out my guy kendall jordan i went to high school with kendall been on kendall for years since i was a little kid seriously and kendall's a grad assistant at isu for those of you who don't know what isu is isu is illinois state university so uh illinois school so shout out to kendall and I'm shouting Kendall out because Kendall hit me up and texted me, right? And he he's like, yeah, and I, you know, I'm a GA at ISU. I told my kids to go check out your podcast and leave reviews and leave a rating. And, man, he's sending me – I'm looking at the phone. He's sending me pictures of the reviews that his students sent him, and they're all writing stuff down. And so shout-out to Kendall, first of all, like legit shout-out to Kendall that's amazing seriously um when people spread the word about the podcast and let others know just because they like it so much and also just looking out for me I totally appreciate that seriously um and to the students who listen shout out to y'all thank you for giving me the time to listen you know to my podcast and most importantly I hope I'm catching y'all on this episode so that y'all hear me you know shouting y'all out and thanking y'all hopefully I I intrigued y'all the first few episodes I got y'all continuing to listen to me um but I truly appreciate that Kendall and I truly appreciate that I don't know the exact names of the students but I just want to shout y'all out y'all know who y'all are and I'm so grateful like I'm doing homework in my dorm room and I get that text and it just lights up my day and literally makes me so excited so I really appreciate that with that being said if you are listening to this episode before we get into anything stop right now what you doing pause it pause the podcast take a picture of, you know, wherever you're listening from, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are in the world, screenshot, post it on your Snapchat, post it on your Instagram story, let other people know, refer a friend like Kendall did. Um, And if you haven't already, leave a five-star rating and a review. Um, That all goes a long way and really helps me and allows people to understand how others are receiving a podcast just so they're more inclined to listen. Now, (sighs) exit out the rent. You know, we got to get into my female highlight, okay? My female highlight this week is going to be Sue Bird, GOAT. <laughs> GOAT is the word that I have for her. I know a lot of people talk about, you know, a lot of people don't know a lot of significant um, female athletes. You know, if you ask a lot of people, they name a few people, but they don't really know a lot. Um, a lot of people actually may know Sue Bird. So if you're into basketball, I'm sure you you should you should have heard about her. You should know about her if you don't. Look, you learn it today. And who's who's teaching you? Me. So uh, she's actually, I'm recording this October 5th. So when this comes out, she'll probably have won her WNBA championship <laughs> by this time. But I'm recording this October 5th. And a few days ago, she's actually in the final. She plays for Seattle Storm alongside Brianna Stewart, who's the previous MVP last year for the WNBA season. And Sue Bird, in their first game, she had 16 assists. 16 assists that's that's unheard of that's good first of all 
um, which shows how selfless she is as an individual and as a player on the court. But most importantly, she made history. So she has 16 assists in the first WNBA Finals game against Las Vegas. That was history, record-breaking, the most assists in a WNBA Finals game. But on top of that, shout-out to Sue because LeBron ain't the only one in his year 17, okay? Sue Bird is in year 17 and killing it, okay? Killing it. And she's – um, and a lot of people – talk about athletes but we don't really talk about how long they've been doing it how much pressure they've been putting on their body you know how how they're keeping up and still getting record-breaking records like that I know we talk about LeBron in year 17 and talk about older players like Chris Paul and Rondo in their years but Sue Bird is in year 17 and she's killing it so shout out to Sue enough about that we're gonna go straight to my topic today so this topic is something that I'm passionate about. So you guys know this podcast. I'm always trying to lift up black voices, um, give black people a platform to speak, give black athletes a platform to speak and really educate my listeners on what's happening within sports, but also to expose the BS that's happening within sports too. Uh, I know these past few podcasts, we've talked a lot about people's experiences, how they feel, great questions with agents, et cetera, players. but this is really exposing uh, the how to what's the word for it? I would say the to me is underlying discrimination. I think it definitely is within the NBA when it comes to black coaches. So over the tenure of the bubble, man, a lot of coaches got fired, and majority of these individuals, I think all actually, were black coaches. Black coaches were fired uh, during the experience in the bubble with the NBA. And a lot of this had to do with teams losing. So after a team loss, black coach gone, literally gone. Okay, no question about it. So right now I'm just going to open up with some stats for y'all. I hope y'all know if y'all don't know, there are only five black NBA head coaches. Five. How many teams are there in the NBA? Thirty. There are five black NBA coaches. Now, you let me know if that proportion makes sense. One-sixth, one-sixth, y'all, of coaches, head coaches within the NBA are black. However, what is it, 80% of players and above within the NBA are black? But majority, no, five-sixths of the coaches are white? I think that speaks for itself. But to list out the black coaches there are right now, we got Doc Rivers, who's currently with the 76ers, made a big move after he was fired. Dwayne Casey, Monty Williams, Lloyd Pierce, and J.B. Bickerstaff. Now, in 2012, we're in 2020 now, but eight years ago, the NBA had 14 black head coaches. So doing better. You know, you had 14 out of 30. Now we're down to five out of 30 that's barely more than NFL and you know for me we always talk about diversity diversity and inclusion and to me there's a difference between diversity and inclusion diversity is you know saying we have these amount of black people and staff etc but inclusion is really giving people to seat at the table and I think right now there's kind of a trend where team loses and it has a black coach you out let's go let's get you out as soon as possible and I think it's a statement not even about the NBA in general as the entire organization but really more closely 
to the way that the owners construct teams and how team building is and really how I think there's a lack of, for me, there's a lack of basketball knowledge among the owners. And I say that simply because like, if, if as I go more into this podcast, you'll realize, but we're firing coaches because they lost. But a lot of these coaches that we're firing didn't have their superstars playing. Their superstars were injured. I mean, what do you expect them to do? I don't think anybody fired Frank Vogel when LeBron was injured and he didn't take the Lakers to the playoffs the first year. I didn't see him lose his job. But I see <laughs> other people losing their job like Nate McMillan, McMillan with the Pacers. Simply, he has two All-Stars out. You know? Uh, who else? P- Pelicans coach. Zion was hurt. Lonzo played trash. He played like like horrible. And these people are losing their job. And I think a lot of this, what we have to understand, sometimes players' performance is not dictated by coaching. You can be coached well and have a bad game as a player, simply. So, you know, for me, I just want to start this podcast off by saying I don't have anything against white coaches um, or any other race and ethnicity that is a coach. I am... I think that if you do the job well, get it done. You deserve the job. But I do think that there's a um, a lack of grace for black coaches when it comes to the NBA and how they move forward when a team loses or a team doesn't get to the finals. And I think we sometimes have to be realistic. Like your team wasn't going to make it to the finals. Your team wasn't going to make it past here with injured players or just with the team you have. And so I think, you know, we have to really take that into consideration. But the first firing that really ticked me off on August 26, Pacers, you know, they had their run in the bubble, their stint. They won like two games. No, actually, they didn't win any games. Actually, let me not even say the wrong thing. So on August 26, the Pacers let head coach, black head coach, Nate McMillan go. Pacers got swept by healthy Miami Heat. Now, anybody listening, you know the Pacers weren't going to be a healthy Miami Heat team. They weren't at all. You know, Miami got to the finals to the, with the Lakers. I don't think a lot of people actually anticipated that, but they got that far. They have a great team um, with Jimmy Butler, who's a great leader. You got Bam, you got Kendrick Nunn. Shout out Kendrick from Chicago. You got Tyler Hero. Uh, you got Andre Iguodala, who's a very well-renowned vet, Udonis Haslam, uh, Myers Leonard, just a team full of, to me, go-getters, people with chips on their shoulders, but they work so well together. Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra did a an amazing job with constructing that team and putting it together and also proving to people, yo, we're, we're dominant without LeBron. You know, we rebuilt for a few years, but we're back at it again. So shout-out to them. But the Pacers got swept by Miami Heat. I'm not surprised at all. I wouldn't expect the Pacers to win. I don't think any of us expected the Pacers to win. So to me, that's normal, right? However, we have to take into account the Pacers were without two all-stars. Two all-stars, y'all, being fully healthy for the last year or two. In my opinion, it's not Nate McMillan's fault that injuries delayed the growth of the Pacers team. Why are we faulting him as a coach? First of all, the Pacers, <laughs> I don't even think they were really, I mean, who would really expect them to make it to the bubble? 
So give him props for that. On top of that, he's the third winningest coach within Pacers history. How can you blame the coach for work, trying to put pieces together after you've built a team around two franchise players, two all-star players? That's like that's like if we're talking about all-star players, that's like having that's like having the Lakers without LeBron and AD. Those are their two significant players, right? Those two significant players for the Pacers team were stripped away. What do you expect? Why are we literally like penalizing a coach because he did best with what he had? I mean, who who's the best person on the team? Like TJ Warren? Come on now. He's not going to beat a Miami team for you. We can have that hype about his feud with Jimmy Butler, but he's not going to beat a Miami team and sweep them at that. Definitely not. So I think it's accomplishment, first of all, that the Pacers made the playoffs without two players being healthy majority of the season. And for me, it makes me think of the thoughts of the front office now within the NBA. I think we all have to take in consideration that the NBA is still a business, right? I always have to take that into consideration. But to me, wins is the new currency instead of being realistic. When you lose, you're out. But are we really being realistic that you really think, is this really his fault? I mean, he's, you know, he he's not working with much. He has two all-stars out. So that's the first uh, coach firing that really pissed me off, right? Like, really. And then we got <laughs> Brett Brown. So he's not a black coach. He's actually a white coach, but he was the Phillies coach. And he got fired, right? So he got fired after being swept. But to me, when his key offense and defensive pieces were out, I mean, he made playoffs three years in a row. And we're firing him? Okay. And to me, the team has no interest. They've already kind of said we have no interest in trading Ben and Bede, et cetera. But I think sometimes it's not always the coach. Sometimes you really have to reevaluate your pieces. Sometimes you really, really have to reevaluate your pieces that you have. Not saying that he didn't deserve to get fired or anything, but I think there's a lack of being realistic. He did make it to the playoffs for you all three years in a row. You do have a decent team. There's You guys almost got to that point, but Kawhi killed y'all last year. You reevaluate your piece. Who do you have on the floor? Because at the end of the day, a coach can write up any play, but, I mean, <laughs> who's on the floor? The players. Three, we got Doc Rivers. Now, I just knew Doc was going to get fired. After the Clippers lost, no question about it, okay? Doc Rivers was going to get fired. He's been with the Clippers for a long time. He's been with the Clippers for a long time. I don't know how long, definitely over five years, but he's been with them. And, uh, you know, he was with the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan error. They couldn't go far for real. Nobody could win a championship, and they've always got stopped right before the finals. And so this year, everybody had that dream team. Everybody thought the Lakers were – I mean, the Clippers were <laughs> – Gonna win the championship this season. I don't know why people thought that. Clearly delusional, but we're not even gonna get further into that. But you know, you had PG, Pat Bev, Lou Will, um, Montrez Harrell. Shout out to him for getting six player, six man of the year. Ka- Kawhi Leonard left Toronto to be here, etc. So what's funny to me is, I mean, they got <laughs> the Clippers through a blue a three one lead. They choked. 
it was a, it was an absolute choke job, okay, by the Clippers. And I really don't think it was necessarily on Doc because you have to realize they were up 3-1. They were up 3-1. Whatever Doc was saying and coaching you all and, and which way he was leading and the way you all were playing was working and it was effective. You had one game to close out. And you got what? <laughs> you got four games to do that. You choked. You played horribly. I mean, that's ridiculous. Ultimately, the Clippers choked. Doc Rivers came to a mutual decision with the Clippers to part ways. So to me, you can't coach Kawhi not being a leader, which he wasn't in that series. He wasn't at all. You were up 3-1. 3-1, y'all. You had three more games to go, and you choked. Also, you can't coach Paul George getting a wide-open shot in the corner and hitting the side of the backboard. You can't coach that. Is that really Doc Rivers' fault? I don't think so. That's just my opinion. I think everybody, I think everyone within the NBA knows how um, exceptional of a coach Doc Rivers is, and he's an exceptional talent. Uh, and to me, it, like it always relates back, like I said, to the front office. Steve Ballmer, he wasn't willing to run it back without dramatic change next year. I think they all thought that they were going to win a championship. I think that was apparent within the altercation with Pat Bev and PG and Damian Lillard, uh, they were super duper confident that they were going to win this year. And I think that was kind of, I think it hurt the egos of all of the individuals on the team. And I think it was kind of a heat check for them most importantly, but also like for me, if we're really sitting back and evaluating to me, Paul George is a, is a, is a uh, regular season player. I don't think he's playoff caliber. And I don't think he's ready. Uh, he's had these opportunities, and he's just not coming through for me. He's not. He He's just – I'm not here for Paul George, okay? I'm definitely not. I would take Damian Lillard over Paul George any day. That's just me, though. But I think that, you know, they weren't willing to run it back without dramatic changes, and the front office definitely thought that the first dramatic change that needed to be happen was Doc Rivers. And I knew that was going to happen. But, you know, at the same time, I do get the standpoint, though. I mean, he's been with them for a long time. They've never gotten to the final. I mean, they haven't gotten to the finals with him. They've always been right there, that close, and just never really closing it out. But to me, there was a lack of chemistry among the Clippers team. I think they should run it back another year and just try to see, you know, what else will happen because they are they are a good team. Don't get me wrong. They just had a mediocre series, but it was a bad series. It was a bad series. That's when you come through playoffs is when you really prove who are the greats. And Jamal Murray killed y'all. Nobody's remembering how Kawhi was such a great leader. Nobody's even remembering how the Clippers played in the first three games that they won. Everybody's remembering the ending and how Jamal Murray came back and, and Jokic and carried their team to a victory over you guys. And then on to the Lakers. Uh, so it speaks a lot, but I think something I'm super duper happy about is Doc Rivers. <laughs> Your man got a job a day later, okay? He signed a contract with the 76ers, so I'm interested to see how that collab is going to work out, see what's going to happen over there and how far he'll take them and definitely the adjustments that will need needed to be made and, and maybe see the difference of coaching when it comes from him and Brett Brown. So we'll definitely see uh, moving forward how that happens. But I definitely think that was all of Paul George and Kawhi's fault. 
and they choked. I think it was a simple choke job. Like, that's what it was. The last one I'm going to talk about, y'all, we have, not even the last one, we have a Steve Nash hire. Steve Nash was recently hired over the summer uh, by the Brooklyn Nets. I'm happy for Steve Nash. I definitely am. But to me, this exposes the discrimination when it comes to coaching. Yeah, probably like an Iowa. What, what discrimination are you talking about? Steve Nash is a Hall of Famer. Steve Nash is exceptional. He's a great player. He has relationships with players. He's trusted among the basketball community. And all of that is true. I totally agree with you. Check this out, though. He has no coaching experience. None. Now, uh, I mean, typically we have players like Steve Kerr. Came in a head coach job, did exceptional. Did exceptional with the Warriors. That's totally fine. But how are we picking Steve Nash over people who have coaching experience? So for me, for example, I think a lot of people don't take this into consideration. Jacques Vaughn, he was the Nets interim coach since March, right? He's black. He kept the team competitive in the bubble. Shout out to Karis LeVert. I think he's going to be a, a danger next season. And I think he's going to kill. Uh, they definitely need to look out for him with that combination of him, Kyrie, KD. It's gonna, next season is going to be really good. But, okay, Vaughn, he's the interim coach since March. You don't have Kyrie. You don't have KD. You lost Jared Dilley and all of these other individuals, and you kept them competitive in the bubble. They were going head for head with the Blazers, Trailblazers. He was asked to stay on the team as lead assistant. And then they hired Steve Nash as the head coach. But why wasn't Vaughn the next best option? Like, don't don't you think he proved himself enough? Since March, he was the interim coach. And he, and he led y'all to be very competitive in the bubble. And you're telling me that he's still going to stay on as the lead assistant? I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that, y'all. I do think Steve Nash is a great pickup. I'm not discouraging that, but what I'm saying is, why wasn't the person who's been there, who's sacrificed for y'all, who's kept you all afloat, and has also proven to have good chemistry and know how to coach the team well and keep them afloat even without your two all-stars, without your two all-stars, you were going head-to-head with the Trailblazers, a fully healthy team. And you're telling me he wasn't your next best option? I don't know, y'all. Um, Stephen A. Smith had a lot to say on this. I might insert the uh, audio about what Stephen A. Smith had. And I think, um, sure, Nash will coach well and he can relate. And there's, you know, history where players, previous players who are coaches, can relate to players extremely well. I mean, they can. You know, you can trust them. They understand what you're talking about. All of these things is great. But in my opinion, he has no experience. Black coaches have to have experience. They start to be, you know, assistants and moving their way up, and sometimes they never even get to move their way up. And you got these previous players and people with no experience, whatever. Vaughn has has coached for them since, I believe, 2016. And he wasn't your next best option? That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous to me. Like, that, I just, I can't agree with that. I think he, you know, and I think, also, I will say this. I think Kevin Hart and Kyrie Irving played a huge part in getting Steve Nash also. I think they have a good relationship with him. They trust him. 
think he'll be a good candidate. I'm excited to see what Steve Nash will do. I have a lot of respect for him as an individual on and off the court. However, I just think it just shows a lot of, uh, I don't even think if it's politics. I don't really even know what you call it, but it's just like with black coaches, it's 10 times harder to get that head, head coaching position. Like it, it's to me, I kind of think about black coaches getting the head position is trust. So, you know, they say you, uh, you, what are, what's the saying? You lose trust in buckets, but you gain it in drops. And to me, you lose your job quick, but to get to the head coaching position as a black coach is hard. It's hard no matter how much you put in, no matter how much you've been sacrificing, it's hard, right? So that's really how I think of it, and I don't agree with that. I think Vaughn was kind of shortchanged. However, I'm sure he's going to continue to do well as, you know, the lead assistant coach, and we'll just see what the Brooklyn Nets do. I think they will be a great contender and definitely a team to look out for, and I hope their chemistry is really good uh, in the upcoming season. Last one I'm going to talk about is Alvin Gentry. So he was the black head coach for the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, he had one year left on his contract too, which is why I really don't understand why they fired him. Like you could have, you'd owe him money now. Like I think they could have waited an extra year uh, because the expectations that they had for the team, because everybody knows they got a superstar, Zion Williamson. And to me, he disappointed a lot of people. And he disappointed myself due to he was injury prone. He had an injury prone rookie year. And John Morant uh, scooped in and got that rookie of the year award. And so with that being said, you had an injured superstar who everybody thought would just take you so, so far as a rookie. He didn't do it. Uh, You had Brandon Ingram, who played extremely well, extremely well, most improved player. Uh, Did great for y'all during the regular season, but you have to take in consideration. Lonzo Ball played horribly in the bubble. Trash. I mean, averaging like four points horrible and um I hope Lonzo gets better or he has a breakout season coming soon because it's definitely about that time uh (laughs) he's hasn't been performing as well as I think we all expected him to or how people would want him to that's just my opinion though so you have poor performance by Lonzo Ball you got Brandon Ingram you know trying to carry you all and do well on top of that you have a injured supposed superstar Zion Williamson played no more than 27 minutes in five games within the bubble. And he missed 43 games during the regular season. Did you really expect them to go far in the bubble? Truly. As a front office, you have to start being realistic, in my opinion. Like, start thinking, like, yo, did we really think Alvin was going to take them far? Because sometimes, for me, like, it's not, I mean, coaching is, huge coaching is huge don't get me wrong I've had great coaches when I play basketball I've seen great coaches and great coaching but coaching isn't everything right these are professional basketball players on top of that superstars they are here Lonzo's playing trash Zion who they who the Pelicans are really trying to build the face of their franchise around injury prone what was he supposed to do you know, I, I I don't really know. And for me, you had one contract left. So you really wanted to part ways with him. It was like, yo, it's over with for you. We need we need new faces. We need another coach. We want to get you out of here. I think they could have ran it back. I think they could have waited another year, see if Zion gets healthy next year. And then, okay, you got that one year left. He's a free agent. 
as a coach, okay, then you let him go. Then you move on if he's not giving you all what you think he can, you know, give you. But I think as I think what I'm trying to say here and from all of these examples that I presented, it's hard for black coaches in the NBA. It is. And I think they get faulted a lot of the times for uh, the lack of structure when it comes to teams and also just injuries. I mean, you can't control injuries as a coach. You really have to work with what you have and you just got to keep pushing forward. And we have to be realistic sometimes. They weren't going to win in the bubble. (laughs) The New Orleans Pelicans weren't going to get far. And so now as a front office, it makes me evaluate what are your expectations and were you being realistic about them? And so for me, that especially goes for the Pacers and the Pelicans right now. Um, But this podcast was just to really get off my chest how I feel about that. I think it's something that a lot of people don't talk about. However, Steve Nash's recent hire kind of brought that conversation up and inflicted more. But you know, shout out to all of the black coaches out there. I'm rooting for y'all. I root for Doc Rivers to see what he's going to do with the 76ers. Hopefully something comes good comes from that. Um, and hopefully they do well. And I'm curious to see how uh, the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets will play. And I think they're going to do really well. And I think Steve Nash will be a great coach for them. However, I think Vaughn was the next best option just when it comes to loyalty and also just being realistic. Like, yo, he's he's gotten us this far as interim head coach, you know? Uh, so that's my spiel. Um, I'm out. So thank you guys for tuning in to the podcast today, and I will catch y'all on the next one. We out.